I'm Brett Chang. And I am Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily for TGIF November 4th, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance and tech, all in less than seven minutes. Okay, so Jay, Loblaws made a million dollars extra per day in the first half of the year compared to the previous best yearly results per new research from Dalhousie University. So my first question, Jay, is are you a Loblaws shopper? And two, have you noticed any suspicious pricing? I have I have one answer. What is it possible not to be a Loblaw shopper? We have a very we yeah. have a duopoly, a triopoly, whatever in Canada. And I I actually do like Loblaw, so I'm not I'm not gonna bad about them here, lest they shut off my shut off my card. But blueberries, grapes, clementines, a lot yeah. of other produce, super expensive, both because of time of year, but also inflationary pressures. It's hard out there. Those are my favorite snacks too. Pistachios are very expensive right now. I'm actually noticing it. You know, for the first like, I, I a lot of times when I shop, I, I'm in a like, I just don't. I'm kind of a zombie, just picking up what I need, the ingredients I need. But really, I've started to notice the price increases. Now, the question is, is that you know who's who's that to blame? Loblaws, as we talked about in the podcast before, Loblaws says that it is the whole supply chain, that everything is costing more, but other people say that Loblaws is taking an extra cut and, and earning higher margin from these products. It's hard to say, but all I know is that a million dollars extra per day, that's a lot of extra money for Loblaws. It's a lot of grapes and clementines, Brett. Brett, aside from your favorite snacks, going up in price, what do we have for Peak Pals today on this Friday? Just Galen Weston Jr., just gorging himself with clementines, Jay. For our first story, Ontario education workers are striking. For our second story, there's a new fall economic statement. And for our last story, you might be able to use your brain to control your phone, what everyone's ever wanted. It's better than the other way around, I guess. For our first story, over 55,000 Ontario education workers, including early childhood educators, educational assistants, and custodians are set to walk off the job today. This is terrible news for parents, Brett. What is the latest? So last-ditch contract negotiations between the provincial government and the workers' union broke down yesterday, setting the stage for a showdown between sides. The province has rushed to introduce controversial new laws this week to make the strike illegal by invoking a legal mechanism known as the notwithstanding clause to override the workers' charter rights to strike and bargain collectively. Now, despite each worker facing a potential 4000 a day fine for participating in the walkout, the union is moving ahead with the walkout with hundreds of school boards across the province saying that they will close classrooms or move to remote learning. And it's happening because the two sides can't reach an agreement over pay raises, but the province argues classrooms must nonetheless remain open for the greater public good. The union is asking for annual salary increases of 6%. That's down from an initial 11% that they put forward before. Now, for some of the lowest paid employees in school, who, by the way, earn an average of $39,000 a year, but the province has so far refused to budge, from its offer of a 1.5 to 2.5% raise, which Jay, I need to point out is below inflation. Well below inflation. And here's why it matters, Brett. It's the first time the clause has been used to prevent a strike before it actually happens and could set a precedent that undermines negotiation power for workers. Without the threat of a strike on the table, labor loses its most important bargaining chip. For a second story, nothing says fall like a piping hot plate of economic analysis, Jay. That's my, that's a fall time special. It's pumpkin spice lattes and piping hot economic analysis. What's in this latest fall economic statement, Jay? I'm such a nerd. I actually listened to it live on CBC. So it is piping hot. 
The government turned up its fall economic statement, including a declining deficit as the main course and risks around Canada entering into recession. Those are the side. That was the side. That was the side. Yeah. And you can think of the statement as a general update on the economy, including how the country is spending money and an outline of what the government plans to do next. And this is why it matters. It makes sense that the deficit fell after two years of aggressive pandemic spending came to a close and high inflation boosted government revenues. But economists are doubtful that the revenue windfalls will continue. Now, if the downside scenario of economic contraction plays out, deficits would swell. For this fiscal year, the deficit could wind up at $49.1 billion, then expand to $52.4 billion in 23-24. Now, it's far different from the baseline assumption of ebbing deficits that eventually lead to a surplus in 2027-2028. The statement has been widely seen as a response to the U.S. government's Inflation Reduction Act, which introduced several measures to invest in the country's safety net. Here's how some of the $22.1 billion new spending over six years breaks down. It includes a 2% buyback on stocks when a corporation buys its own stock from shareholders to raise revenues and incentivize reinvestment in business. So this is a tax on buybacks. Added inflation support by making student and apprentice loans interest-free and issuing Canada workers benefit payments to people who qualified for it last year. The government is also going to introduce a new refundable tax credit for clean tech investments equal to 20 to 30% of capital costs, depending on how well companies adhere to certain labor conditions. And this is what's next. The update will likely kick off a heated debate in Ottawa since conservatives called for no new taxes or spending that weren't offset by savings in other areas, while the NDP wanted to see more support for citizens and measures to target corporate greed. Their words, not mine, Brett. Corporate greed, that is. And for our third story, as the world becomes increasingly like a sci-fi novel, new devices are letting the human body do things that once seemed impossible. From computer brain interface CBI technology that links your thoughts to iMessage to contact lenses that give you night vision, tech is supercharging the human body in new and, I hate to say it, Jay, kind of creepy ways. <laughs> kind of creepy. One example is the Synchron Switch, which can read brainwaves and allow users to control digital devices. It recently achieved a major milestone, compatibility with Apple products. Brett? Synchron is a direct competitor to Elon Musk, Jay's favorite, Neuralink, but Musk's products, it de- but unlike Musk's products, it doesn't require costly and difficult invasive brain surgery to get up and running, which is probably a good thing. Yeah, I'm trying to avoid costly and difficult yeah. invasive brain surgery. It's the surgery costly as as part that gets me, Jay. I, I, just, oh, yeah, I can't afford it. Yeah. The inflation on invasive brain surgery has been you know, just skyrocketing. After you finish sending memes through sheer brain power, head over to the grocer with your Mojo Vision contact lenses integrated with Amazon Alexa's shopping list feature. Now, okay, picture this. Your list would appear in the lens, in your contact lens, and you could add or remove items via voice command and navigate the list and check off items simply by moving your eyes. It sounds very straining on the eyes, Jay. It would also be really weird to watch someone, I guess, talking to their eyes and moving their eyes back and forth to cross things off their list. This recently demoed feature is still in its test phase. It's a sign that Amazon believes the tech is a viable venture. Other big companies agree, like Adidas and Motorola. And it matters because the tech, this technology could make our lives way easier, not just by helping with errands, but by potentially making us healthier and giving untapped biometric data to us. Yes, but, but, and this is a big one, Brett, there are concerns aplenty as the boundary between tech and flesh blurs, like a divide between those who have enhancements and those who don't, or the ownership of brainwave data, which I think would be pretty valuable. 
Peak Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to business news podcast in Canada. If you got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. And as always, thanks to Dale Richardson and 306 Media Productions for putting together this episode. Thank you, Dale. And thank you, Brett. And Brett, we are moving our clocks back this weekend. Great reminder. Great reminder, Jay. Don't forget. Have a good weekend, Brett. You too, Jay.